Trendstorm. Welcome back to Trendstorm. Now let's take a look at the future of the Iranian nuclear deal. The 12th of May deadline for renewing the Iranian nuclear deal is right around the corner, and the world waits with bated breath to find out whether Trump will keep it, scrap it, or renegotiate it. The Iranians already promised that they'll pull out of the agreement if anything within it changes and promptly go back to researching nuclear energy technology, something that the U.S. has threatened on numerous occasions could result in future military action. America's top ally, Israel, accused its Iranian rival at the beginning of the week of secretly advancing its supposedly frozen nuclear program in spite of the 2015 accord, though Prime Minister Netanyahu has a reputation for exaggerating anything that has to do with this topic. Russia, China, and the three European party to the agreement are strongly against any American withdrawal, though the U.S.'s Western allies have indicated that they'd support Trump's moves to renegotiate the deal. Just like last month's strikes on Syria put the U.S., France, and the U.K. on the opposite side of Russia, China, and Iran, so too might Trump's decision to tinker with or outright scrap the nuclear agreement do the same in exacerbating the growing new Cold War divide between the world's unipolar and multipolar forces. It's impossible to ever know with any degree of certainty what the U.S. president will do, but most scenario forecasts prognosticate that a return to multilateral sanctions against Iran is a distinct possibility. Any significant moves by the U.S. and Iran in relation to this agreement, whether taken unilaterally or in response to the other, could jeopardize the so-called cold peace that set in between the two since the deal was signed almost three years ago, thus formalizing their return to their simmering proxy war that never fully ended in spite of this agreement. Trump's presidency has thus far seen the American leader frame his country's Mideast policy in terms of containing Iran, both in terms of its direct military political influence via the elite Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and what it wields through its regional allies such as Hezbollah and the Syrian government. So all indications suggest that he might just take it a step further. Okay, now we're going to switch over and hear what Mr. Patrick Henningsen has to say. Patrick's the executive editor of the news and analysis website, 21stCenturyWire.com. Trendstorm. Okay, Patrick, uh, the future of the deal is in the U.S.'s hands, but it appears as though Trump and his team are operating based on a plan that they already have in mind. So, Patrick, what's Washington up to, and why is it flirting with pulling out of the agreement? That's a good question, Andrew. I think there's two ways you can look at this. You can look at this from the angle of that this is just the art of the deal, uh, in which case uh, it wouldn't be a full cancellation of the JCPOA, but rather a renegotiation uh, if you're following Donald Trump's negotiation tactics. But uh, that's not necessarily um, a deal uh, with Iran. Who's really negotiating here? That's the question. And if you look at the very close relationship between the White House and, and Tel Aviv, I would say that Washington is effectively negotiating with Israel as to what it wants. Uh, so you have the neoconservative crowd in Washington. You have Jared Kushner. You have the lobby. You have the Likud. Um, and none of these care what the EU wants and certainly not what Iran wants. Uh, but so this could be negotiated between those two parties. And then the U.S. would then need the U.K. and France to force Germany 
over to their side, which would be to sort of put a ban on ballistic missiles uh, by Iran. And who knows how far they could push this envelope. They could go so far as to demand that Iran pull forces or assets out of Syria itself. So never underestimate Netanyahu and this crowd's ability to overdo it. Um, that's his signature quality. But the future of the deal uh, may not actually be in U.S. hands. So really, uh, you, the U.K. and France could very much be in, in their camp as well, because the U.S. can't go it alone, as it were. Um, the Germany and the EU are much more neutral, I would say, in this respect. And the EU have a lot to lose, because it's already staked its position in the fall of 2017, when Frederica Margarini categorically went up against Israel and the U.S. and said, no, there will be no revoking of the GC JCPOA. And that, that elevated the EU above the kind of normative power status um, and put it into as a direct foreign policy player mm -hmm. in the global stage. So Brussels has a huge amount to lose in terms of, uh, say, saving face as to their previous position. Okay, so what realistic options does Iran have at its disposal in responding to the U.S. if it demands to renegotiate the deal or decides to pull out of it? And Patrick, how effective can these be in the face of multilateral Western and Gulf state pressure against it? Unfortunately, Iran doesn't have a lot of options within the framework of this deal other than maybe uh, take the Pyongyang route, the North Korean route, which is to uh, pursue a nuclear deterrent, but that would most likely invite uh, a joint U.S. Israeli military action, preemptive action possibly. So, Or they could go the, on a diplomatic offensive uh, across Europe, and that would, say, elevate their own case for the normalization of, of international relations across a broader spectrum. And certainly I wouldn't rule that out, but theoretically um, Iran could promise to move assets out, or Hezbollah could announce a withdrawal of forces from Syria, but that's unlikely because Iran is leading the Astana process and terrorism is a big national security issue for Lebanon and Iran. Uh, so there's not a lot I, I think they've got in terms of options within the framework of this deal. But outside of the deal, um, there's, they can pursue just a normal policy moving towards the east. Okay, now if we talk about the east then, to what extent, Patrick, can Iran depend on its Russian and Chinese multipolar partners in the event that Trump either scraps this nuclear accord or decides to renegotiate it? Because, you know, we know that the U.S. is very hostile towards the agreement. You explain why the EU is more neutral, but Russia and China are very, very supportive of it. So, Patrick, what would be the geopolitical ramifications of the world splitting into two different camps, if we can use that word, over this issue, the west and the east? Well, that's a good point. I mean, not much actually changes in that respect, um, because Iran's already shut out of the international financial networks because of U.S. sanctions, and any further isolation uh, as a result of the JCPOA failing would only force, I would say, the geopolitical center of gravity eastward, if we're talking about a bigger conversation here. Uh, and with that, more polarization between east and west, and setting the scene possibly for a bigger confrontation down the road, perhaps. So um, in terms of the future of Iran in, in its relationship with the East, it's, it's pretty certain that that's a strong relationship between Iran, uh, China, and Russia. But if you look at what's really going on with this deal, this is effectively the U.S. trying to pull uh, members of the EU, the more neutral parties, away from Russia, if you look at the big picture, or maybe and away from China in that respect. So it's causing, it's trying to find a fissure, um, a split there. And so that's what I think the bigger picture is, is, to, is they don't want to have the entirety of, of Europe, the EU as a, as, a, as a normative power, and then Germany, 
France and the UK, essentially on the side of Russia, if you think about this deal. So if you look at it big, on a bigger terms, it's not just about what Israel and Saudi Arabia want from Iran. It's also about pulling away those European powers away from Russia um, on, on the U.S., um, maybe Israeli-Saudi Arabian side of, of, of this deal. Patrick, this was an interesting explanation of the art of the deal, as you put it, which helped us understand everyone's interests a lot better and appreciate this event as the defining geopolitical moment that it might actually shape out to be. So thanks again for coming on our program. Trendstorm. Now, folks, if we think back on what both Alex and Patrick share with us today, we can see that, of course, the deal is up in the air. No one knows what's going to happen to it, but it does look likely that Trump will either renegotiate or scrap the accord. Now, the Iranian reaction will predictably be very uh, negative towards this. They have indicated that they have no desire to renegotiate a deal that all parties have previously agreed to. I mean, from their perspective, they rightly see that as being very unfair. But unfortunately, as the Americans think, might makes right. Now, not in the moral ethical sense, but in the sense that the U.S. is holding the cards here. They're the ones determining the future, and they don't seem willing to want to play by the rules. Hence why they want to change the rules or just get rid of them entirely. Now, this is a very, very dangerous and destabilizing development. We'll have to see what happens. I don't think there's going to be any war next week, so to speak, like some people are fear-mongering, but it is a pretty uh, negative development nonetheless. All right, folks, well, if you want to sound off and share what you think about this, please send us an email at radio at or find us on Facebook. Stay with us.